In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest, Ian McGarrigal. Uh, he is the Congress Chairman of the World Retail Congress and, you know, has been in the retail industry for over 30 years. Ian, welcome. Thanks, Bobby. Great to be here. Absolutely. Think, uh, we, we, I think our listeners are in for a treat today, uh, you know, to learn from, from your experience and what you've seen in, in the retail world. If you don't mind just giving us a brief, what is a World Retail Congress for people that don't know? We launched the Congress back in 2007, which seems a long time ago now. Um, but it was really, we could see that retail was uh, internationalizing back in the early 2000s. And uh, my background is a retail journalist and, and editor. And uh, as I say, was really tracking how retail was internationalizing. And, and really, there was nothing that brought together retail executives. So the really senior level uh, retailers from across the, the whole of the industry. So it's not uh, sector specific. It's not food or fashion. It's really is across the whole of the industry. And, that, and that's kind of the retail journalism that I've been steeped in over the uh, the many years I've been in the industry. It's, it's writing about the industry. And so I've always kind of focused on what are those key drivers um, for retail. And, and it was really that point where retail, as I say, was really connecting internationally and retail was moving across borders. And uh, there was nothing that really spoke to and, and served the uh, senior retailers from all industries. So it was really taking that cross-sector approach that I've always known, but taking it again globally. So we bring together retailers literally from around the world, from whatever sector, and and just drilling down and focusing on each year what are the key uh, issues, opportunities, and challenges for the industry in, in any given year. We have something like 1,200 to 1,400, depending on what year it might be, and we move around primarily Europe uh, as the center for the Congress each year. Uh, so we've been around most of the key capitals of Europe. But we've also been in, in Dubai for a couple of years. So, uh, And it's an amazing sort of uh, networking event over three days each year that, um, that really uh, we feel it's about the networking. It's really powerful for retailers to meet other retailers, but the content is obviously critically important. And that's where we Try and build the program around. You know, each year, what are the uh, what is the defining sort of topic, uh, if if you will, it's, and then cascading from there to, you know, in, we feel our task is to send them back to their businesses, kind of uh, refreshed with new thinking and ideas and being inspired because retail, I believe, is all about that inspiration and it's one of the creative uh, business sectors. And you know, if we can play a role in in helping that and and helping move uh, the industry forward at a time. Even before where we are today, uh, you know, the last decade, certainly the last five years, is about massive change. So, so that's really what we focus around and believe what our what our task is. Awesome, and, and I know we're we're talking at sort of an unusual time in the sense that you know the world is is hit with a pandemic, and uh, we're all trying to maneuver kind of these waters. Uh, you know, as as kind of an expert in this space, are there some big changes that have already happened in consumer behavior since this pandemic? And even even prior to that, you know, in the last few years, have you seen any changes in the industry? 
Yeah, well, I think um, you can look at retail and as we have and been tracking it and you, you see the massive change that's been going on in retail. And if you then take a step back and say, what's actually driving that? And yes, you can say it's uh, digital technologies, it's it's the internet, it's those aspects that have driven it. But but really, the key driver is uh, is all of us as consumers. You know, the consumer has been, we, we've all been changing dramatically because we've been uh, adapting and using different uh, digital technologies, mobile primarily in, in, in recent years. And that that's really been uh, massively reshaping the industry. And, and to your kind of key question about what's been happening uh, since COVID-19 and the, and the pandemic, it's really massively changed our behavior in the sense that we've been forced to because we're in most, most countries around the world uh, many countries around the world are in lockdown we can't get out other than for essential food shopping so it's forced us to not just shop online i think what we're seeing is embracing uh, online it's 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 fascinating talking as i do to retailers uh, in markets all around the world and 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 they are just seeing you know, not just as i say shopping online as a necessity but it's over the weeks, people are starting to uh, really get the taste for online shopping. It's introduced uh, different demographics, uh, older uh, consumers to the ease and uh, convenience of, uh, of online shopping. So that's, it's a dramatic uh, uh, shift that we're, we're seeing specifically in that area. And do you think, uh, are these changes temporary or do you think you know, a portion of this is kind of a new normal in your mind? Yeah, well, new normal is a, is a phrase that a lot of people uh, are using. It's it's interesting. I'm kind of thinking about this a lot and, again, talking to to retailers because um, it's interesting. Uh, I was reading something, uh, we put it in a recent uh, World Retail Congress report, that it apparently takes uh, eight weeks for human beings to change their habits and behaviours. So kind of in many countries, uh, I'm in the UK and we're, we're getting close to that eight-week figure in terms of the lockdown. So you kind of think... So what what is going to be left when we do finally emerge from this in terms of how will our behaviours change? So I think it's hard to answer that. Uh, so I, but I think there's an element where a lot of what we do has has changed. I mean, socially because we can't mix with our friends and families, we've been embracing sort of uh, online chats and video uh, conferencing like Zoom and uh, Google Hangouts and all those. So uh, so I think we've discovered that for work and and family life and friends that uh, we can connect in a different way so i think that's going to be interesting to see if we hang on to that coming back to the online shopping that we've seemingly got the taste for and uh, and the bug for even more you know will we really use it more for those we've discovered what we can use what's convenience and what we don't need to go out shopping for but a big part of me now it's it's hard to know what the answer will be is i still believe we are social animals and we can see that in uh, china and hong kong and as of the weekend just gone when we were recording this, uh, Spain uh, allowed people out of the lockdown at staggered times by their age group and people were flooding onto the streets. So I think there will be a pent up sense of we want to go back to the old normal of being out and enjoying ourselves and visiting bars, restaurants, clubs and stores, uh, going to parks and uh, doing all those things. So when we ever feel safe again, will we go back uh, to exactly how we lived our lives? Time will tell, but I think no doubt the the lives we've had to leave for the last weeks, you know, uh, six, eight weeks, depending on where we are, it, it's bound to, I think, uh, make us look and feel different, um, differently. And 
more than that, I think there's an economic uh, aspect to this because unfortunately we've seen so many people's jobs, whether they've been temporarily suspended, furloughed, or unfortunately uh, people, um, you know, we've seen unemployment figures um, around the world climbing dramatically. You know, this, this is the worst economic crisis uh, probably ever when we look at it. So the impact on people's personal and household budgets is going to be severely limited. So I think that without doubt is going to change behaviours and uh, how people are able to lead their lives for the you know certainly months and year or two I, I, I fear yeah it's, it's interesting I actually uh, you know have a couple of other things that I've been kind of following here at least in you know the the Bay, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and also kind of beyond just in the U.S. in general and uh, you know one of the things that's that's been said especially in, in the San Francisco Bay Area is you know there's a stat that said people go out you know point uh, eight x times a week so less than one one time a week, and they're saying they're anticipating people going out 3.2x times per week after you know, they're allowed to go out. So there's a portion of that that uh, you know, the online behaviorists can, can go definitely be able to, in this, uh, this pandemic, actually help us you know, shop and just be able to go through our lives. But there is a sense that people do actually want to get out to you, to, to your point, and you're know, social animals and want to get out there and, and be able to be, interact. And so it'd be interesting to see what come, comes out of this for sure. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Are there areas that you think um, retailers should start to prepare for? Are there changes that they need to make in their business that we think will be kind of longer term? Um, or are there short-term changes that we think are, are going to kind of go away with some time? There's several things to that, really. I think um, for me, what's been interesting, and re- the retail industry, in a sense, has uh, been clearly divided between those that can open their stores and those that can't. So that, that's there's that... Um, Aspect. So those that are uh, deemed essential, obviously the food and pharmaceuticals, and and I think what they've had to do and what they have demonstrated is, in my view, is just truly remarkable in terms of the way they've had to completely shift their business to meet this exponential increase in in demand. I mean, I think right around the world we saw initially a panic buying that just cleared uh, supermarket shelves and. Uh, Right around the world, retailers were saying there is no problem with supply. It's just, you know, this is a, a multiple of the holiday season. Um, the chief executive Tesco this week was saying the five days going into the lockdown were a multiple of the best ever trading day before the Christmas holiday. You know, and that's so. And, and there's no way that any retailer, of however efficient they are, uh, can prepare for that. So, but they did, and and, and they replenished and. They've remodeled how they uh, operate the stores. Obviously, they're still open, but they have to. Uh, they've got all this uh, health and safety and social distancing measures in, as we've seen right around the world, and had to put safety uh, screens in for staff. So they're operating a completely different uh, model, and, and equally, their online uh, operations have had to be ramped up because people want to buy food um, online. I think for for the non-essential retailers, the, uh, the unfortunately have had all their stores closed. Uh, it's been a, a sharp reminder for many of them about the importance of online. It's a, a fraction of the overall business until the crisis, and suddenly they've had to ramp up their online uh, operations. And you know, the retailers that I've been speaking to have had to sort of scale up their e-commerce business by some multiple factors to in all senses, and that's, that's redeploying resource to recruit people into the business to quickly invest in the technology get and recruit delivery uh, staff remodel and redeploy people in in the business but i think what they're going to be left with is that realization that uh, 
we don't really use that phrase omni-channel too much anymore, but, but you know, their businesses are truly omni-channel because that's what their customers have demanded or asked of them. And, and they've had to rapidly reshape uh, their businesses. So I think we're definitely going to see that. And, and you know, obviously uh, the pressure on so many businesses to have been closed, we're seeing massive, uh, well, in some cases we're seeing collapse of businesses, but, but without doubt, we're going to see a, a scaling back of uh, retail store portfolios. So we're going to emerge out of this with fewer stores held by um, retailers, uh, as I say, unfortunately. Uh, many will uh, not reemerge. I, I, I fear. So, so I think there's a, a change in the mix that we're going to see coming out of this. I mean, I think um, it's hard to avoid the, the human side and the, the, the negative side of it. But if you want to be positive, I mean, it kind of does feel like uh, using a gardening adage. It's like a, a massive pruning of cutting back, you know, dead wood and whatever, and new growth will come from that. It's been talked about, as you probably know. Uh, Bobby, that we've overstored and there's too much retail space. It was really hard before this crisis for businesses to dramatically cut back, you know, for obvious reasons. It's this huge pressure and cost to do that. But but here, retailers are faced with life or, you know, in, in terms of business sense, a life or death decisions about the, the overall business. So we're going to see smaller portfolios and from that, a rethinking of, of, of that mix uh, in, in the business. So I think we're we're witnessing change that at the Congress we've been sort of uh, you know, sort of talking about for the last five or so uh, years that's been sort of telescoped into five or six weeks. Uh, this this massive massive change in, in in the business. It's actually interesting because you know, as to your point, whatever this you know quote unquote new normal looks like, whatever you know the the recount of merchandising of stores looks like at a high level. I think one of the one of the things that comes up, and we talk to, of course, retailers every every single day. Uh, you know, they come to us with, "How do I actually build more loyalty with my customers? How do I, you know, increase my revenue? How do I, how do I just connect better?" And so, I think one one of the things that comes up that we that we think is is going to be a part of this kind of new normal, if you will, is is really the sense of connecting with customers and building a brand that people can relate to in store, out of store, whether it's online, whether it's a, you know people actually walk into the location is going to be more important than ever. And so as as we go through that, you know, and, and go through that, you know, education phase for some retailers, for other retailers, it's more of an implementation and execution phase. Are there best practices that you can give to retailers uh, as they think about this and as they think about really connecting with their customers even more so in the coming days and years? I think you're absolutely right. It was just really interesting as we were planning for this year's uh, Congress, our, our theme for this year, we, we called it the relevance agenda because, uh, so probably this goes back nine months now when we started work on uh, what would be this year's uh, Congress. Um, the conversations I was having, I was trying to distill and think and, and listen to what I was hearing from the kind of winning retailers as they were uh, that I was talking to. And and they were literally using this, uh, the, the R word of the importance of being relevant to their customers and thinking about what their brand represented. So before the uh, the crisis hit, that was kind of front of mind for us. And, um, you know, I was talking to a retailer about, well, do I still feel that uh, that theme's holding good? And I, I think to your point, I think it's um, even more so. I, I think what we've been seeing and, and witnessing is some retailers that have really stepped up and, and risen to the challenge here. And if you distill about what they've done and conversations I've had, they are literally saying, what does our brand mean to our customers? What what are our customers, what do we imagine they want from us? And how can we serve that? And, and I think we're, we're at a point where retailers are going that extra mile to think about what they can do 
not just in terms of selling goods to their customers, but actually helping you know, communities and going beyond and uh, really playing a role there. And um, I was talking to a retailer just yesterday from Spain, a really big retailer, and they said what struck him was the things that we're doing to help our customers. We're already getting that feedback that they're not going to forget this, that this is really important to them. And so I think um, we're at a really pivotal moment where not just the scenario I painted about that negative stuff about the real slashing and pruning of store portfolios. I think we've got to feel positive about this and look at the retailers that will will come out of this are are those that just have a really even better understanding of what it means, uh, what their brand represents and what it can mean. So I think it's in this adversity, in this this real challenge, uh, clearly management teams, some of those great retailers are thinking and, and you, you already see it in uh, you know giant retailers it is now in terms of Amazon, which I know people uh, love to hate as well as love to use. But from other retailers' point of view, it's it's a really difficult one. But if you can't help but admire what they, but also the Walmarts and Tesco's and others uh, and Carrefour's around the world are doing, it's... Um, Amazon have said, right, okay, what can we strip back? You know, what's non-essential in this business to really make sure that we deliver essential goods that people clearly want and, and is the right thing for us to deliver? But but also, how can we prioritize essential key workers uh, in whichever country and um, and and do things that uh, help them? And and that's what our brand should do. And I, you know, I, I've heard that from conversations I've had and things that I've read with retailers that have been really. So, you know, literally radically reshaping their, their businesses. So I think it's a great question you raise, and I think it's so important. And I think, you know, uh, kind of starting from, from who's your customer and then kind of building from there is, is definitely important. Are there, are there areas, though, I think, you know, coming out of a pandemic, and I, I know, you know, none of us have really seen a pandemic before uh, to this level. So are there things that people should not be doing, retailers should not be doing, uh, you know, they probably are reading, uh, you know, 100 pieces of advice. And I think, you know, focusing on the areas that, that really will make a difference in their business. And I know a lot of this, what we don't know, we don't know, right, uh, of what the future holds. But are there things that you think that retailers should absolutely avoid doing? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think what we have seen retailers stopping doing mostly is really a sort of above the line marketing, if you, if you, if you will. So I, th- I think we've seen that drop back. It doesn't feel like it's the time to, for retailers to be shouting too loudly about the normal things that retailers will be doing. And uh, it's more by sort of actions, I think, that uh, retailers uh, are, are winning uh, in, in, in that sense. Um, so hard for me to kind of answer that question. I kind of, I feel it's more about the things they I feel that they, that they should be doing, and it, it is that um, stripping back and, and, and thinking about what's absolutely essential at, at this point in time. What do our customers really want? What can we do that goes kind of the extra mile for them? And uh, think about extra services, and um, it's those kind of uh, areas. But you know, it's, it's as much about looking after their their own people in the business because I think uh, we've seen that in media coverage, certainly here in Europe and the UK, when uh, certain retailers haven't been behaving quite as well as others, and that gets picked up. And so it's you know it's it's not just I guess customer facing. I think it's about how you run your business, how you treat the people in your business. And uh, again, I can hear that from those. those retailers that have really just risen to the challenge there they they talk about their customers kind of number one but almost equally number one are the people in their business and ensuring that they feel safe that they're looked after and uh, i heard of a retailer that have had to furlough 
most of the people in the business because it's primarily shop-based, uh, store-based business. And she had run, literally called every single member of employees. And there were, you know, a, f- a few thousand. And she's contacted each of them to personally talk to them, to reassure them, etc. So, and that wasn't something I'd read in the media. It was just something I hear from sort of industry contacts. And uh, so I'm telling you, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's kind of really that's what it's about. Those uh, the really important stories that uh, these are the times that people do things that people will, will then remember. And I think that goes back to your point about the importance of a brand. What does a brand really mean and represent? Of course, uh, but you bring up a great point. You know, in this, customers are, of course, important and uh, building building to your brand and what your brand message is and culture. But but I think the one thing that, you know, people should not neglect is really the team members that they work with and making sure that they're front and center as well. Uh, so totally, totally agree there. You know, Ian, as you've been working with different, you know, uh, companies over the years, um, what's your most favorite in-store experience that you've seen? For me, because um, I've been just looking at this quite recently, and I was uh, thinking back to when I first saw the first Apple store, and I still, when I go into an Apple store, it's like, this is still amazing. It's still, why, why is this still so groundbreaking? And uh, it's interesting to me that um, when it uh, launched, and it's a few years ago now, uh, it, it blew everyone away with its sort of radical approach. And, and yet, you know, it feels like uh, so many things from that retailers haven't quite sort of uh, grasped them, themselves. And it's, it's, it's that sort of, the way they brought to life the brand in a, in a way that no one had quite uh, imagined. It was that amazing use of, uh, of space. But that people issue, again, I think uh, it's it's stuffed by people that are passionate about uh, the, the product. But but also the convenience. I mean, it's the first place that I saw sort of uh, where they could just relieve you of uh, your money and give you the products uh, without joining a queue, you know, and this, those things that still... That's an area of retail that people are still grappling with. You know, how can we um, make that seamless checkout process to seem as uh, as convenient as as possible? But um, I also think bring it more up to date. Um, you see it in a lot of lifestyle and sports brands, and I think um, the Nike House of Innovation, which the first one I saw was in New York and uh, Fifth Avenue, which uh, that 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 kind of blew me away. That was. Uh, Last year when I um, saw that, and obviously they're rolling out, well, (laughs) until now they've uh, certainly been rolling it out and they were due to open in Paris um, any day now, but I guess that's currently on hold. But Adidas in in London um, early this year opened a a flagship. And I think it's, uh, for me, it's that rethinking how you bring to life that brand so it is a, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's not just selling product. And it's that combination of great smart technology that is sort of kind of invisible. It just kind of works because it's not too gimmicky. Nike and Adidas, you know, big on sort of personalization, which, you know, so many people increasingly love. They want to feel uh, that special. You know, I could throw in uh, Muji's a brand that I uh, love. And, um, I was in Vancouver last, uh, last year and uh, saw a really great example there, but I've seen it in Asia too. And when I, think about it is for me it's that sort of sense of lifestyle or what's you know how do you bring to life a brand and what it's an emotional thing when you go into a store that just suddenly you go yeah i want to be in this store you know i love what this brand is i I get it if you may not quite have uh, understood something about it when you go into a great store like that that uh just thought through what it is and just brings together as almost like a sensory experience uh that connects on all, on all points. It's that excitement, and that's for me is what retail absolutely uh, is about. And going back to where we are today, you know, you, you kind of want to rediscover that. You want that uh, that buzz and that excitement, and you know, really hope that that's what we're going to look forward to um, again. Because it's you know, I think those issues have been talked about for a little while now about um, fewer stores, more flagships, but it's never really quite emerged. But but I think let's hope what emerges out of this really difficult time where there will be 
quite clearly fewer stores, but stores we will have. You know, I think there's a fantastic opportunity for, for retailers to really uh, dig deep and think about all those issues we've just been touching on about what do the brand mean and creating exciting true flagships that um, excite people. One of my favorite brands is uh, Ted Baker. And I think that they have phenomenal in-store experiences, you know, all the way from uh, you know, kind of the music they play to the, the color scheme to that. They have some education screens going where they're educating you about how they came up with the fashion. Like, and, and you know, the, the team members there are so knowledgeable about how things were created and all that. So, so that, that to me is one of those things that I could go online and, and, and shop, but it's not that same experience for me. It's a great sense of humor, isn't it? In Ted Baker stores, it's, it uh, goes right through the brand, but uh, Ted Baker stores have always had that, uh, that sort of cheeky sort of uh, sense of humor. And that, that's become, that is what the brand uh, represents. That's so become, yeah, totally agree. yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. If you had to give retailers maybe one or two pieces of advice, uh, kind of getting through this pandemic, what, what would those pieces of advice be? Hard as it is, I think people need to start thinking about what will life be like uh, when we uh, come out of this and um, really trying to think positively where we'll take us. And I think there's clearly going to be some short term sort of issues emerging out of this because we're starting to see it, you know, when lockdowns ease, you know, yeah, people will slowly uh, emerge. And um, actually, just uh, last weekend, we saw because it's a public holiday in Hong Kong and they, they were crowds on the streets again, which is great to see it. But there's also feedback that consumers are going to hold back because, you know, they're going to feel nervous, anxious. And so, you know, I think retail hasn't been open that is going to start to reopen. I think there's going to be some short-term issues about uh, how stores are going to function. I think there's no doubt governments will allow uh, an easing of lockdowns, but with quite strict um, guidelines about how many people in store and what uh, social distancing measures, etc. So in many ways, that's quite a challenge for retail. It's uh, created store formats uh, to have traffic flows and visual merchandising done in a certain way that, that actually is going to feel quite constricted uh, with some of those um, constraints. So there's going to be an element of how do you get around that. But equally, you can turn some of those to virtues. I mean, I think uh, things like making sure people feel safe in store but because you know that they're being kept clean and hygienic you know normally best practice is to you know you clean your stores at night when no one's in them no one wants to see uh, cleaners in a store but now could it be you turn that completely on its head where to have cleaners as we're seeing in food stores where they're you know cleaning the handles and trolleys and baskets uh you know that becomes something you would expect to think about and and, and see but uh but on getting beyond that, um, those short-term issues, and I, then I do think it's going to be about uh, you know that phrase "new normal" that you use and many people use. It's, it's trying to think about um, what the consumer mindset will want, and I think they they will want to re-engage in that excitement of, to be out again. But there will be less money around, so it's that marrying of uh, people we want to see and. Exp- be looking for greater value than they've had done before going into this crisis, unfortunately, because there will be less money. So there'll be a rethinking of that. Um, to my point, there will be fewer stores. So it is that really important discussion and thinking within a retail operation about, well, what are our stores that we will have, the ones we want to keep, that we can keep? What do we think they need to look like and how should they operate? And I think coming out of this, um, people will be shopping more online. And I think there's no doubt that balance between on and offline. But I think um, I've heard retailers say they, they've got a sense of how on and offline connects better than it has before. I mean, we've seen click and collect really, you know, come to the fore in uh, the retailers that um, are open and the ones that are reopening. They're you know, encouraging people to 
go online, see if the stock is available in in the, their local store, and then go to collect it uh, in a store. So you know we're changing again behaviours there, but that sort of uh, marrying of the on and offline, I think, is going to be uh, a really big focus for retailers as so we we emerge out of this. That's one of the great points that you bring up. I think merging that and creating that same level of uh, interaction and again uh, experience, if you will, across online and offline is going to be very, very important. As you've been working with, uh, you know, kind of, again, different retailers and just been in the space, are there technologies that you feel have been adopted at a faster pace uh, than you initially expected? The big story in uh, recent years is, is around data and how you know, retailers are, are using this massive, uh, the new oil, as it's called, uh, in, in retail. It's understanding their customers and what they're buying, what they want, and not using it just to kind of look look backwards. That that was kind of has been the big big story, and and from that we've seen retailers using technologies to sort of better understand personalization and uh, those kind of issues. And I, and I think uh, and connecting it with with mobile technology. And I think we're going to see greater emphasis on merging, as I say, that uh, on an offline experience because. Uh, Retailers, the real prize is going to know who your customers are as they walk in uh, your store and, you know, reading, you know, from your mobile who you are. And I think people will, you know, want to feel part of that. Um, going back to our point about relevancy, it's knowing your customers and building that bond with your customers. So if they're shopping with you offline, online rather, or if they come into your store, you know, finding ways of knowing that uh, you're there and how you can connect them, how can you you know, tailor, you know, personal messages to them and um, that they know that they've got something, you, know, you in the store have got something that your customers uh, will be interested in. I think, uh, and equally customers wanted to know that they can go shopping in with confidence that you will have something in stock. And I think uh, a lot of technology companies I talk to, uh, certainly this year, it's um, they talk about learning the, the technology lessons from um, online, which has been really technology is driven with algorithms, knowing what people are buying, what they're looking for, et cetera. So how can you take that experience uh, into the store and, uh, you know, using sort of RFID and the next generation of those things to kind of know what's in the store and as always where it is in the store and, and allowing the customer to have that you know, uh, what's always been talked about, it's um, we as consumers don't talk about omni-channel or online, offline. These are industry terms and we just want a seamless uh, sort of shopping experience. And I think it's uh, those kind of um, areas. And But I think it's also technologies that just are going to create exciting experiences um, in store for me. I think something we've seen, um, you know, mentioned earlier in our, our conversation about how we've been using video conferencing and live streaming there's evidence from China that uh, even though the lockdown's been lifted, people are still like using live streaming and brands are using it to tell stories and um, sell brand stories or product launches or, and, and connect with consumers via the live streaming channel. So I think some of the conversations I've had, people are seeing, is this, or are we seeing the emergence of a sort of a bridge between the store and uh, and online and in, in a way that could be really interesting how can you take that live content or that streaming content and you know what what can you imagine that where would that take us and you know can the store be made even more exciting with this kind of new content that uh, helps reinforce the brand and that, that doesn't have to be clearly you know really exciting areas like sports or fashion you know even in uh, food stores we want to see and, and tell more stories about the products and uh, if it's all going to be about a lot more about trust and provenance then you know these are great ways of telling stories i think 
Well, Ian, that was a wealth of information. Thank you. Appreciate it. Is there any kind of last uh, words or insights that you want to leave with our listeners? All I would say is, as you uh, said, um, it's, it is a, a long time that I've been following and writing about retail. It's uh, 30 plus years. I've never, none of us have experienced anything quite like what we've experienced at the moment. But if I drill it down to what I've seen and watched with what's happening in retail these last uh, few weeks, um, I love retail. I've written about it for all these years and um, love talking to retailers. But I think I've been truly inspired by what I've uh, seen and read about and talked about with retailers these last few weeks, just about you know, how retail has truly risen to, to this incredible challenge. You know, for those essential retailers, they have literally been making sure that they, you know, we can feed ourselves and, uh, but they're doing it in such a, an, an amazing way and the, the innovation, the dynamism of, uh, of retail. So I'm sort of feeling even more uh, sort of excited and sort of proud of, uh, the retail industry and the people that work in it and uh, how it's able to have changed itself in you know just days almost in terms of what they've achieved and and i think any industry that can do that um you know wow what can it uh, do as we emerge from this and it will quickly understand what we all want and feel and need as as consumers very different consumers i i, I believe coming out of this so so I think, you know, watch this space. I think, um, you know, whether it's the new normal, whatever we want to call it, but I think uh, retail will be, let's think positively, but it's, it will, I believe, be a truly exciting place to be in and to, to watch uh, as it emerges from this uh, this crisis. Absolutely. I think the one area of retail that, that I'm most excited, I love the retail industry. And one of the main reasons is because, you know, again, no matter kind of what's happened over the years, retail has emerged and been able to kind of maneuver and still connect with the customers uh, really well. Again, whether it's online or offline, uh, whether it's in store or not. And you know, looking forward to seeing kind of what the future holds here. Ian, thank you again for joining us today. It was a real treat, and uh, we will uh, talk soon. Thank you again. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.